Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. My name is Ron Ritchie. And I'm Shannon Shoemaker. And I'm Steve Hildew. Welcome to the Goblin Army Review. It's the Green Wave, the Midget Miscreants, the Masters of Mechanical Mayhem. It's time for the Goblins. And I have got two world-class goblin warlords to lead me through this maze. Starting off with the United States' most prolific tournament attender, striving fear into the hearts of every state with his goblin hordes, it's the master of Adepticon, Shannon Shoemaker. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Cool. How's your version 3 been so far? Uh, pretty good. I've gotten in a few games on Universal Battle. I haven't played any on the tabletop yet, but looking forward, hopefully over the holidays, to get a few in. Uh, I guess we played a couple of small one days, but um, lower points level still, so I haven't played up over 2,000 points uh, on tabletop yet, but we were able to get in a local one day at uh, Grognards here in Chicago suburbs, and that was a lot of fun to play with some of the local guys. So looking forward to getting in some two-day GTs with the new rules and see how everything plays out. Awesome. And we have with us a legend, a goblin legend, tremble at his approach. It's the great Khan of the Mongdrul Empire, the master of Goblin Legions. It's Emperor Ron Ricci. Welcome, Ron. Greetings from the Mongdrul Empire. It's a <laughs> pleasure to be here today. Ron, you've not been on Counter Charge before, am I correct? I have not. I have not. This is my first, like, real kind of like, I've been interviewed a couple times, but this is my first uh, podcast. So pardon me if I've uh, got squigs in the belly. <laughs> I think that's where they belong, so that's absolutely fine. So first of all, let's, um, as we like to do with new guests on Counter Charge, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, kind of your, your gaming origin story and how you got into Kings of War. Well, I'm a member of Nuke, which stands for New England War Kings. My empire itself resides in Rhode Island, which is a huge empire. It takes you about 20 minutes to drive through it. Um... Yeah, I've been in the game systems for, I don't know, 30 plus years. I'm 46 years old. I've been playing since I was like a little kid, starting with D&D and everything else. So I've been playing these games for quite a long time. I got into, uh, you know, Kings of War, I don't know, about three three years ago, I think. Um, I used to play a lot of other fantasy war games. So it was kind of natural for me to fall in the line with this uh, King of War. And um, I've been terrorizing Northeast ever since, pretty much. <laughs> that's about it <laughs> awesome so um to start off what we want to do is kind of go with a little elevator pitch if you like so shannon starting with you kind of of all the armies in kings of war why should people play goblins you know, considering kind of the main changes from version two to version three why goblins well they do have several new units that may be interesting for people to play and obviously if you like the lore and you like pushing lots you can with goblins and rat can probably or the two armies that you can put the most units on the table with most likely. So you can certainly fill up the table if you just want to go from board edge to board edge with a massive army. Uh, you have access to the giants and the slashers if you like big monsters. And they have some very solid artillery as well, especially with the new addition of the winget doing the spotting for them. So there's a lot of options for the goblins, I think. 
for me, it's going to be quite a bit of a change from second edition because I favored using chariots as unlocks a couple of hordes of chariots, and you can't do that anymore. So I'm quite likely going to move on from goblins, at least for a while, because for me, the core of my list was always rabble hordes and a couple of chariot hordes, and I can't build a list around that anymore. So I'm probably going to try something else for a while. <laughs> but <laughs> so your elevator pitches don't don't play them <laughs> no i mean right the way i played them i can't play it uh i had arachnoroks that i really like to use as the chariot hordes and i can't use those anymore so for me that's a bit of a downer um but people who are running a lot of rabble hordes who are running a lot of monsters that you can still do all of that and they have a lot of new gizmos the only thing i don't know if we get into it later but the one thing i'm a little concerned about is they also have a lot of blast weapons which I think that might be, is unfun the right word to use, might be unfun for some players <laughs> to come up against if they don't have answers in their list. To, to be fair, goblins have always struggled with being labeled as an unfun army to play against. This is not a new sensation for goblin generals, right? No. I, <laughs> it probably depends on what you play. I know, like, with Ron's, you played a lot of melee-heavy lists, right, Ron, and, and um, flea bags and I such? I generally favor fast-moving cavalry. Um, yeah, generally most of my lists, I like I like the, the the Blitzkrieg, if you would. I like going in there fast. I like going in there hard. I like to find a, a weak spot in your line, blow through it, get into your backfield, and just cause havoc. That's that's how I prefer to. That's the mongrel way. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a problem to play against, right? So you no, may yeah. your list may have trouble against speedy armies, but that's just kind of a general thing. If you get I'm into sorry. combat, right, you have a chance. You always feel like I've got a chance when I'm in combat because... Maybe they roll snakes, or maybe they fluff some rolls. And especially with goblin flea bag riders and such, you're not hitting that hard. So uh, a lot of times your your opponent will be able to counterattack back, right? So it's really been more the list with the range that I think most people have complained about. Well, I agree with the uh, onset of third edition that the goblin shooting spam was nicked pretty hard. Um, I personally, like I... You know, I had my old list, The Death of a Thousand Cuts. And it was a shooty spam list, and it was fun, you know, and it terrorized my friends for a while. And a lot of people in the last edition were doing it quite often. It wasn't really anything really new, and it got, it got boring after a while. So with the new edition, where it's kind of, it, it appears to be favoring more of the close combat role anyway, it's kind of like a relief for me, I think. It kind of refreshes up my army a little bit. You know, we're not afraid to get stuck in anymore. We're not yellow-bellied. You know, we definitely got some hard hitters in the list. You know, even for goblins, we got some pretty nasty, hard-hitting stuff now. So, I mean, I, you know, was over at um, Harvest of Souls GT. I did all right, you know. A lot of new stuff I was throwing out there. I've got a lot of games back at home and stuff here in Underrealm, down in my basement where we game. And um, I'm, I've been really happy with Third Ed, you know. It's yeah. just, you know, some minor changes, but, you know, it, it, you can still go shooty if you wanted to. I mean, the only thing you have to do is take that horde and boom, you got four unlocks right there. So you don't need to, though, but it's fun to sometimes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 really going to matter, like, what your play style was. And, and you can <laughs> definitely adjust. I'm not saying the goblins are a bad list in any way now. I just don't think they fit me as much anymore. I know I tried to move away from war engines over the years that moved more and more away from using war engines until this year I went to a couple events with none. So <laughs> playing goblins and I really feel like I'm kind of pushed back into taking war engines with some of the changes for this edition. So well, they kind of make it like you really want to now though, you know, yes. like the double no shots, right. lobbers and you know, now you have the mob beast launchers too to add insult to injury. 
You know, you got those wing kits zipping around, you know, spotting and stuff. You can get those elite on those six different artillery pieces. You're not making any friends, but you're definitely going to be punishing a unit that's getting hit by it. Yeah. Do you think there's an aesthetic appeal to goblins? Because in, in, in days of Warhammer, and, you know, I wasn't a Warhammer player, but it was orcs and goblins, right? So, you yeah. know, why did, why did buy goblins rather than orcs? If you're going to go for a green wave, why the little chaps? Is, it, is, it, is there an aesthetic appeal to choosing goblins? Absolutely. In my case, it is. That's like the big thing about the goblins. I love how they look. I, I think they're little devious little bastards. You know, they're like, you know, get out of my garden. You know, leave the chickens alone. You know, they're they're a bunch of little thieves. They're jerks. They're really jerks. But they have like the coolest war engines. You know, war machines and stuff. And it allows for me. I like. I love the modeling opportunities. I love the conversions. I love just making wacky contraptions. And you know spend the day terrorizing my friends with them and it's very appealing to me that's the main thing about them i agree yeah ron's got some great conversions for his mongrel with all the hats it looks great thank you and, of the empire <laughs> i really like you've got so many options like he said with the gizmos you've got the mincers the blasters now the goblin slasher can be any sort of a big beast i really like the slasher that mantic has put out and i'll oh, pick up a couple of I- those whether whether I use them as goblins or you can take them now on the salamander list and can't think what's the other list that has slashers as well. Ogres. Yeah. So yeah. you've got them in all three of those lists. I might even use them as uh, mutant rat fiends because I have yeah. Warpath ratkin that I can use in a ratkin army sometime. So I, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of great opportunities with the goblins. And now with the wing it, you can, they make a great wing it model, but you can have any sort of flying contraption, I think. Someone had put together World War One biplanes, and they were using those. Awesome. Yeah. Was it Iran? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, mean, looking, I, got a, I got one in the works. I got the Green Goblin from like Spider Man, and I got uh, Git Zuzu, which is kind of like a mockery of uh, Bazuzu. There, he's just like a winged goblin. <laughs> so I just threw him on a. This yeah. be like a big git with the with the wings of the honey maze, but I threw him on a bigger base now, and yeah, so now he's a winged git. <laughs> I think it's really cool as well with, with kind of so much character in them because, let's face it, GW's Goblins were some of the best minis they've ever produced in terms of character, right? And I was getting, I was getting a little bit tired of seeing Spider Riders on, on the board, right? Because those, those, those are such cool miniatures and I get it, but we kind of want to see some more of the Mantic Goblin stuff coming through. And, and Mantic's Goblin range recently, like you say, the wingets and such are so full of character and it's taking it really in a, a different direction, which I think is really exciting. I agree. Definitely digging a lot of the new Mantic stuff. Um, I'm eager to get my claws on them. Definitely. Yeah, the Van- Vanguard models are so great across the Goblin range, the new ones that they've done. I think we're lucky that uh, Rob Berman is a Goblin obsessive, so there's always going to be a Goblin agenda being pushed at, at Mantic HQ for us. I'm good. <laughs> we'll support it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So here's the idea. Um, we're going to go through the classes of units, you know, infantry, large infantry, etc., and we're going to pick up the big changes, the winners and the losers, and it's really, we're not going to go unit by unit, stat by stat. We're going to try and identify the stuff that really jumps out at us from the new version and give people some ideas about how they might start constructing their goblin lists. So let's start with the special rule. So one of the biggest changes to goblins and the most kind of impactful is that the yellow belly rule is gone completely. So talk about that a little bit. Is that, you know, do you like that? Are you happy with that? I kind of liked the yellow belly rule. It kind of added a bit of danger into the list, but that's gone completely making them a lot more reliable, right? I, I agree. I mean, yellow belly was never like a big issue even begin, to begin with, um, but it definitely allows you to feel more comfortable 
you know, leading large infantry forces without, you know, having that one in six regiment or whatever rabble, you know, failing that yellow belly when you really needed them not to. But, you know, I liked it. It was kind of fun. It added character to the game. But, yeah, yeah, I'm not really going to miss it either. <laughs> I'll I'll disagree with Ron and say it was an issue back in first edition <laughs> when they were yellow belly no matter whether they were in the flank or not. So that was that was an issue. But yeah, in second edition, once you didn't have to worry about yellow belly as long as you were in flanks or countercharging, it wasn't much of a problem. Occasionally you could have positioning that would jam you up, but most of the time you were you were countercharging or you're trying to set charges up to flanks with units that you needed to have in. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you failed, well, you still were going to be able to shoot because you had several shooting units a lot of times. Yeah. Right. And with goblins it was always you were throwing wave after wave trash at people so actually if one of your waves of trash didn't go in that's cool i'll just use one of my other waves of trash right yeah yeah as long as it didn't block something you needed in right. uh to go back to what ron said earlier it really was death by a thousand cuts and i always felt with goblins that i was losing turns one two and three and then four five and six usually five and six you just started putting wounds on uh your opponent's units and and they would start dying and you might clear three or four units off a table in a turn once you got to turns five and six because, uh, like you said, the death by a thousand cuts had just started to stack up by that point. Yep. Yeah, so instead of that, we've got a uh, pup as the army's special upgrade. So when a unit's equipped with a Morpup, um, it's used um, to give an extra six attack that always hit on uh, four plus with crushing strength one. So talk about that a little bit. Do you, know, do you like this upgrade? Is it useful? How, how are we finding that so far? It's certainly useful, right? Because now rabble, sharp sticks, you've got a reliable couple of three wounds that you can put on most units. Uh, same thing, it's going to help flea bags out, putting an extra couple three wounds on a unit before they charge in. So I think it will. I think it'll see use in armies that have, are based around rabble or flea bags. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. Um, the mop pups are cool. Um, I prefer to deliver them by the launchers. Um, I have used them a few times, and the 10 points per, you know, like upgrade for your regular, like, line troops, it's not really worth it, and those points add up quick. It's like, why bother? I can just get another rabble. But to support yeah. like, your your line during the battle and stuff, it's like, oh, I'm going to be charging these guys on the flank. I mean, you know, they don't get doubled, but the, the unit's getting a double, and then you have those little extra six attacks to add insult to injury. It's become a, a threat real quick. As far as, you know shooting them at the uh, opponents and stuff like that. Well, we'll get into that later once we get to the war machines. Yeah. But as far as the upgrade and stuff like that, um, more specialized elite units, maybe if I have like a horde of like sharp sticks, I might give them the upgrade. Um, Luggets, I might give them the upgrade, you know, at the beginning of the battle. But as far as like any rabble regiments or anything like that, it's not really worth the points. You can reinforce them throughout the battle if you have the launchers, you know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, I agree with that. The ones where you might put it on, too, is if you have a flea bag troop or a regiment out on the flanks that you need to be able to ground a flyer. Just having those six extra attacks that you're guaranteed to hit on fours with crush one will give you a much better chance to help ground the flyer. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the fact that the uh, flea bags in general, like the flea bags and the, um, the flea bag riders in general, they're, they're so awesome now. And yeah, the fact that they have the mob beast cages, too, like. You know, drop a couple mob pups in there, and you can really cause some damage, especially if you're working flanks and stuff. Cool. So, in terms, of, let's start with the infantry then. So, one of the interesting things is that the core units, really the kind of the basic units that, that define goblin in terms of sharp sticks and rabble, are completely unchanged apart from the more pups. We've lost Grogger's goons. In fact, all of Grogger has disappeared altogether. But instead, we've got a lugget gang. 
which is uh, a far more punchy unit perhaps than the basic goblins are used to. So would you think this is useful? Talk a bit about uh, Luggit gangs and, and how you might use them. Yeah, I think certainly right. Having a fearless unit is always nice because you don't have to worry about it holding your lines up. Uh, at 105, you could certainly use the troops as chaff, even though goblins have cheaper chaff, but you could do that uh, at 160. Even the troops are going to pack a decent punch with 15 attacks too, or you could put them in a second line behind rabble and know that they're going to be able to go in and do some wounds, or if you can get them into a flank, the regiments, obviously, then you get the unlocks as well. So I, I expect we'll see some of them on the table. I probably wouldn't be using them myself at the start, because if I do... Uh, it, when I play goblins, it'd be more likely to be using monsters. So I usually go with the rabble for unlocks because I like to play with a lot more monsters on the table. Uh, but certainly the Luggett gangs, uh, I think they look fine, right? It gives you gives you a unit that can is going to more reliably do damage than what a rabble unit will do. I agree with the Luggets. I I personally I've been using them a lot lately. I've been running around with a, a pair of troops of them. And they're murderous. I was at um, the Harvest of Souls, and I've been playing locally. And if you mix them in with, like, you know, your your a large infantry-based formation, like, your opponents tend to ignore them. They're like, oh, they're just a little troop of goblins, no big deal. They get on that flank, they will butcher people. They will butcher people. You got a whiz nearby, like, Bane chanting them and stuff like that. You get that troop on a flank, you're getting those 30 attacks. You know, and you, you just, you're going to hack stuff up. I highly recommend the Luggets if you're an infantry-heavy army. Put them in on the second line, like you were saying. Put them on the second line. Use them to reinforce, you know, your your line, your blob, if you would, and uh, get them on a flank and watch them just murder stuff. I and mean, they murder for goblins. They murder stuff, I should say, you know, because you know goblins being so tough. <laughs> yeah, they're like the goblin. They're the goblin infantry unit that can stand up against other armies' infantry. Not their heavy infantry necessarily. Right. But, right. You know, average to elite infantry. Punchy for goblins is what we're saying, and actually, and actually, rabble and sharpsticks are still totally viable options, and will form the core of most people's most people's armies. We had a question from uh, from General Gaddafi over in, in in Singapore. He said, "Rabble or sharpsticks? The eternal question." And can a more elite goblin list like luggets and trolls work? So let's address that now. All right, now I run one of the many tribes that consists of the Mongrel Empire is the Muddy Knuckle Boys, and now this this tribe is. You know, six hordes of trolls, two troll bruisers, you know, some other stuff sprinkled in just to add spite to it all. And trolls are okay. All right. They punch hard. You know, they got the crushing strength to the nerves and, eh, you know, but it's still kind of lackluster a little bit, I think. I mean, I, they're good at terrorizing a new player, but like a veteran player, they'll, they'll, they'll light them up and they'll be gone before you realize what happened. Um, as far as doing like an, a full elite list, like with like, you know, focusing primarily on luggets and trolls, could it be done? Sure. You know, anything with proper maneuvering or anything in this game, really with proper maneuvering and, and, and proper strategy and everything else. And now these are words I need to put, learn to practice myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you have that opportunity. Yeah. You might be able to like sweep the table, but in my opinion, still goblins, you know, when you, Doing an elite list, that's going to be kind of hard because one of the key things with the goblins is having a lot of those units, having a lot of dirt bags out there taking, soaking up damage. There's only so much they can kill. And with this game's being highly objective-based, like claiming objectives and you know working the scenario, I prefer to have the flexibility of more drops. 
where I can just not stress about things like, oh my God, that's a horde of trolls. You know, that's so many X amount of points. You know, I can just throw another rabble out there, keep them busy while the rest of the army maneuvers, that type of mentality. So that's my opinion. <laughs> I think for trolls, the biggest issue is always going to be that 14, 17 nerve um, yep. getting you stuck behind waivers. I had started with a couple of troll hordes in second edition. And after going through a couple of events where they were just wavered all the time, maybe never even getting to attack because wavered, wavered, and then dead, I, I gave up on them. It does help now that you've got, we'll get into him later, I'm sure, but the, the king with Jareth's pendant with the headstrong uh, is, is possibly going to, I don't know if it'll make, it'll make them more viable, certainly. I don't know that we'll eh. still, that we'll see very many lists yet, but. Not to interrupt, but I ran a list recently where I did all trolls with the king. With the, the headstrong really was not a, a big factor in that battle, and there was still quite a bit of the you know waver and dead as you're saying. So, eh. <laughs> yeah, just to add to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's no guarantee, right? But at least you got a two thirds chance to bring him out a waver. Uh, but I still think at 190 points for the troll hordes, you really want more reliability. I think in the goblin list because you're you can flood the board with so many cheap options that paying 190 for a unit that's going to get wavered and, and bog you down is is, is rough. Right, because it, one of the strengths of the goblin list, and I, I, obviously I don't play goblins, but I've played against them a lot, it's redundancy, right? Yeah. Is that it doesn't matter if you take off this unit because here's, here's four more of them and they're now in your flank. Whereas with, with trolls, you have to kind of be very careful with them because they're your... they're your nuclear option, right? They're the ones you want to get in on something that's really high defense and wipe them off in a turn while your little bits are around them. So if you're focusing on an elite build, like Ron said, you're going to have to be very careful about how you play, which isn't really the goblin style. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to stress out when you're playing goblins. It's supposed to be chaotic and mayhem, in my, in my opinion. You know, it's supposed to be fun. You know, some of the best fun of playing the goblins is just that deployment when you, you have, like, the whole table just covered with the little green skins everywhere. You know, that that itself is satisfaction, you know, and terrorizing, you know. It, it, if you're trying to play like a real serious type army, the goblins isn't for you. You know, you need to have like a just a chaotic open mind and just kind of the goblins tend to just do their own thing and they do their own thing. And sometimes you'll win because of it. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think to what you said, right, <laughs> you want to be the one who's like, well, I really don't care if you kill that unit because I've got three more of them and it is half the cost of your elite units and you know i've got 20 units on the board and you've got 10 so let's have some fun <laughs> absolutely you want to you want to suck them in you know draw them in and, and and just mob up on them just swarm them and, and beat the heck out of them and you know it doesn't matter if he's a super elite unit or whatever if you got like a, him surrounded and you're hitting from all different angles and stuff because you have the troops to to throw out there you know that can be uh, disheartening to the bravest of soldiers yeah so getting back to Gad's question, which was uh, rabble or sharp sticks, because uh, sharp sticks have an increased viability now because of the phalanx, right? Do do you think that's going to make much of a difference? I, I haven't. I mean, I've not played a, a massive amount of version three games, but the amount of times that I thought phalanx might be really useful isn't that great for me. And I kind of, if I was going to choose a, a goblin army, I'd probably go rabble just because of the cost, right? Not necessarily. It depends. If you're at a tournament, you obviously your best option is to go with a balanced list, in my opinion. But if like if you're fighting a buddy who is like a brotherhood army or whatever, you know, like those sharp sticks, they're nasty. You know, like I tend to use them in multiple wards and just anchor them on a flank. 
you know, the rabble's there just to cause trouble, you know, get my own locks, et cetera, et cetera. But those sharp sticks, you know, you anchor them on a hill or you put them on a flank and stuff like that and prevent like any kind of cavalry work in those flanks and stuff like that. They're, you can't really ignore them. They're a, a nuisance that you can't avoid. And if you do avoid them, then I'm just going to march across the table and, and grab that objective or whatever, you know. So I like sharp sticks. I like them in the hordes. Yeah, the hordes will certainly sta- uh, stand up an extra turn over a rabble horde if you're playing against flyers or cavalry at least most likely. So I think they do have a use, more of a use now than they did in second edition. Uh, it will depend a lot on what your meta is and what you expect to see. I think at events, I would probably myself still be sticking with rabble just for the cheaper, slightly cheaper unlocks. But if you, if you know you're likely to be facing cavalry and flyers, then I think it's definitely a viable option now to be taking those. So skipping quickly, we talked a little bit about trolls already in the large infantry slot. But one of the differences I noticed in the book is that the regiments of trolls got cheaper, right? So they're pretty much unchanged across the board, but the, the, there's a 10-point drop in, in the regiments. I don't think I've ever seen anyone play a regiment of trolls. Do you think this will change that? I doubt it because the issue with wavering hordes is just even more prominent with regiments of them. Yeah, I and agree. <laughs> especially now, I expect we'll see quite a bit of lightning bolt, right? So... Uh, in third edition, at least starting out, so uh, you can put three or four wounds on with a, with lightning bolt, and then you've got a pretty reasonable chance to waver them. And if you're running, especially if you're running them out as screeners, uh, you're going to be bogging up your whole line if they get wavered. Yeah, I agree. Right, and actually, for the price of a regiment of trolls, you can get a troop of luggets who are better in that they can't be wavered, have the same wavering limit as their nerve limit, and also have got 15 attacks. Right? Yeah. Right. All right, so hordes are nothing. That's what we're saying. Pretty much, yeah. I wish you could put them in legions. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Legion of trolls, because playing against goblins is not fun enough already. <laughs> so moving on to ranged infantry. So obviously, we talked a little bit about the fact that um, the biggest kind of change to goblins is was the rate was the uh, the reduction of their ranged threat. But obviously, spitters were changed to a regular in COP nineteen. So there's no real difference there. What I've noticed is that they have got more expensive, particularly in hordes. Do you think we'll still see hordes of spitters? Is people is it, is it worth taking? I think so. Not necessarily as much as we used to, but having like a horde anchored on like an objective or something like that, sure. You know, I think I could probably spend the points on something better, like the the bag snip regiment, which has more utility. But um, yeah, I mean. If you got the extra points, sure. I mean, like I said, they, they they got a big footprint and you can anchor them on an objective and just, you know, harass people the whole battle. But I could spend the points on other things. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I imagine we'll still see, a, see them here and there. I doubt that we'll see a full army spamming them as we did in second edition, um, using something else to unlock them and spam them. But I, I don't know that they're that much worse than what they were in second edition other than the points increase right the stats stayed the same but i think there's probably other options that people will be using now so as ron said maybe you keep one because we've got so many token based games and and the new bluff counter games where it doesn't hurt to have a unit that you can leave behind to flip tokens over so you know you might see one in one in an army i i don't think we'll see too many in most armies I think there's a couple of reasons to take spears. One is the fact that everyone has the models, right? If you're a goblin player, you've probably got loads and loads of spitter models, so that's a reason to put them on. 
The second is that it's just going to, if you play any elves, it's going to really annoy them if you point out that your horde of spitters that cost 160 points shoots as well as they do, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but I, I still don't like to play games of uh, Battleship with uh, those blade ears. No, no, no. They tend to come out a little bit better than uh, us goblins when it comes to shooting still, I think. <laughs> so talking about the other ranged threat, uh, Fleabag Rider Sniffs. My favorite. Your favorite. So they also got more expensive across both the troop and the regiment, um, but they gained Vicious in melee. And they're hitting on fours now, too. But their range is down from 24 to 18. So, Ron, talk a little bit about why. So they're still your favorite. Are you still running them? How have you changed your tactics in using them? Uh, well, the tactics are pretty much still the same. Um, but the fact that they're you know no longer yellow-bellied and they're hitting on fours, I can be a little more aggressive with them. I'm, I really like the snips. I love the Vicious. Uh, back in last ed, you know, we had that formation which had like, you know, all the flea bag riders with vicious, and I was like, oh, I really dig this. It actually makes them like, like a threat because they're kind of, in my opinion, like the elite of the goblin armies, you know. And it's not because I'm biased about it, but that's just my opinion. And like the sniffs, they got the, you know, you got that nimble, you know, you got the vicious. They're hitting on fours now, so you can use them in close combat. You can use them to try to counter other chaff and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they had the reduction, you know, with, uh, range with the short bows now down to 18 inches. So you can't play that game of like, oh, I'm at like, you know, 21 inches away from you shooting at flyers and stuff. So you, you got to be a little more cautious of things such as flyers and stuff like that. But, you know, they're still nimble. I, I love them. I, I love terrorizing people with them. I love getting behind lines with them and just going after your war machines or your characters and just generally being a nuisance with them. They're one of my favorite, uh, units in the game. Yeah, I think the biggest issue will, that will cause people problems playing them would just be the 18-inch range if you were used to being able to move them up and keep them out of range while firing, keep them out of range of flyers or things like these pack troops. Now you're going to have to be careful about that. You'll have to make sure that if you're going to put them in range of a flyer, you've got something behind them that will put the flyer on the ground and be able to punish it for coming in. But also that the, the speed 10 is undeniable. And I think, you know, it's 105 points. Speed 10 and nimble. Uh, so that's... It's incredible. Yeah. Actually, I think they're one of the best chaff units you can possibly have because you've got speed 10, they shoot, they're nimble, and they're vicious in melee. So you need to deal with them because otherwise they're going to be into you and causing you a bit of a problem. Until, you know, seven attacks hitting on fours... Uh, is going to ground something with Vicious, and that's something you c you can't be ignoring at 105 points. It's not it's not a great deal of points to spend for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee that they're going to ground something. I guess, but it, definitely better than uh, more likely than a bigot uh, was in second edition. So yeah, I could see that. So I've seen a lot more of people taking just plain flea bag riders rather than sniffs. So mm -hmm. sniffs are good because they've got that little bit of point of, of damage, but you can take flea bag riders in hordes now as well at a 1921 with 28 attacks. And their defense four compared to defense three for the sniffs. So, do you think anyone's going to be gutsy enough to take a flea bag rider horde? Oh, I do. Oh, you bet your butt I do. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You give them the caterpillar potion. Um, you know, now with the rules with hills in particular, and you got a whiz nearby yeah. game chain. Oh, yeah. You can, you can, you know, don't do it early game because you'll lose your horde. But as that final sweep through an objective or whatever, you know, near middle to end game. Oh, they, oh, they'll, they'll wreak havoc. They'll wreak havoc. I love them. I love feedback riders in general. I play them all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, again, you've got the speed 10 nimble. Uh, they're big enough that they can control two tokens, and they're nimble, so you can get them lined up on the two tokens if, yep. if you still got them at the end of the game. 
vicious now. And they got the uh, mop pop cage to add insult to injury. So it's add an extra six crushing one strengths in there, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. right. And there's not many punchy cavalry regiments or hordes that are speed 10. Speed 10, melee 4, thunderous 1 with vicious, off a hill with more pups. That's devastating, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's a use for those. So I'm going to see those spider riders for quite a long time. I, <laughs> I, I think so, yes. <laughs> Especially since the, uh, the flea bags are actually quite hard to model. Since I've, uh, I've, I've used a bunch for, for Rat King Cavalry. They're quite difficult to, to scrape all the lines off the teeth and stuff. But they are amazingly uh, characterful models, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Definitely. So the last of the cavalry units is, is the Morbius pack, which has always been a thing. It's always been a regular. They used to be, in the beginning of version 2, they were melee 3. But they were changed to melee four in in, in cock nineteen. They're back to melee three. Um, does this mean we'll see a lot more Morbius packs as, to, as a, an alternative chaff? Um, I've been using them. I like them. I still run like troops of them and stuff. Um, they're good with the infantry heavy list for uh, close range like chaff and stuff, or just trying to nibble on someone's flanks. They don't have a, a, a particularly a lot of attacks, you know, but they are hitting on threes. So once again yes. with the mob. You know, work work those flanks with them if you can. Um, the wild charge is a cool little uh, addition. You know, so they can reach out there and, and nibble on someone. Their points, they're all right. I mean, I like them. I'll, I'll I'll use them. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd want to be using them for chaff too much. I, I mean, everything in the goblinist is chaff, but as as primary, I'd prefer to try to get them lined up. If you can get them in flanks, right? Once you start doubling the attacks, then they're very efficient for the points. But use them in. Uh, use them together with your rabble or with mincers or something and try to get some flanks set up for them to get into and they'll do a lot of work especially if you've got the bane chanter around i agree i agree yeah and there's a there's a little note so you can upgrade uh one regiment only to being non-irregular so you'd have a, a regular regiment of a, a mag magwana magwana i have no idea magwans magwan magwan that that yeah Defense four, only ten points. So, um, is that worth it? I mean, for such a low nerve unit, is it worth spending the ten points just to give them that extra point of defense? Well, I mean, their nerves the same as pretty much everything else in regiments. So, you know, for that extra ten points, it's one hundred and thirty points for them. I mean, you're mostly paying for the regiment unlock more than you are the defense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if you want the unlock, then it's worth it. But are we really hurting for unlocks in goblins, given how, how you know how cheap rabble are? It depends on what you're playing with, right? If you're trying to run with giants and slashers, those are expensive enough that you... Um, I, I usually ran into unlock limits when I was playing Goblin. So basically, I would take whatever I... I'd figure out what monsters and stuff I wanted in second edition, and then I'd have to figure out my unlocks to get me there. And I would I would take all my unlocks, typically, until I started dropping the War Machines, and then I had War Machine unlocks that I was throwing away, but I was always filling up my hero and monster slots. It, it varies by what you want to play. I agree. <clears throat> so into chariots, let's talk about the chariots and into your other ranged options. So only, uh, only he says, speed nine. But Fleabag chariots, they are they were the core of your army, Shannon, but they're now um, irregular, along with a lot of other chariot units. Is there yeah. still a use for chariots? If you want to put them on the table, probably. The, the big thing's like, so the horde size now being four wide, you can't, once you're engaged, you're not going to be able to pivot out of that. You're... 100 millimeters wider right than you are deep so that's going to limit your options and then the legion being 225 points is the most expensive unit in the goblin list other than the giant so uh because they don't unlock i think it's i, I don't think you'll see a lot of them some people probably still take them 
uh, because they have them, but it, it's going to limit you. I don't think they were ever like spammed heavily before anyway, um, maybe a player or two, but you'd say a lot of people take one or two of them, I think. And uh, so you could still do that, but because you're losing the unlocks for those points, I, I think it'll be limited. Well, I was a little late in coming into the uh, Chariot game because um, I, I finally I was picky about what I wanted to use for Chariot. So I waited a while before I finally got my hands on the model. So I was kind of late into the game using Chariots. Um, as far as this edition, I'm, I, I really don't have a major opinion about them yet. Um, I will probably run them just because I really like the models that I have for them. You know, they're they're a little punchy, you know. So, yeah, you know, mix them in. If you're going, like, with a flea bag heavy list, you know, throw some chariots in there. They're not taller anymore. I mean, they're the same height as flea bags and everything else. So, yeah. you know, you can hide them, you know, a little bit better in that sense. But also negates your line of sight a little bit more, too. But they're with them nipping off their shooting capability, too. It's like they're discouraging you from, like, trying to sit so, back and be a missile platform, you know. Yeah, which is okay, I think. Like, I don't think their shooting got hurt that badly because now they have steady aim. So you have half shots on steady aim instead of full shots on sixes if you were moving. So it, it lets right. you be more mobile with them. I think that's okay. But the change to irregular and the change to 18-inch shooting, I think, hurt them a fair bit. So we'll see. I, I just think there's other options you can use for hitting right. hitting stuff. And considering the rest of the list, they are they are super expensive for goblins, right? If you're going to take a unit that's punchy enough to do some considerable damage, you're going to be talking about hordes, and that's nearly 200 points, which for goblins is quite painfully expensive, right? right. And it's pretty easy to negate that thunderous charge, too. I mean, just, you know, yeah. we all know. <laughs> yeah. So the um, <clears throat> the most devastating of the uh, chariot units you can take, which was bought in in COC-19, was the, the Mincer Maw, which has... You know, so many cool modeling opportunities that I think people were really keen to try and take them and use them as best they can. So previously it was a regiment only, but now you can take a troop. They've still got Big Shield and Brutal. They're Crush One, Thunderous One. Talk to me about Mincer Mobs. Yeah, they're definitely a unit that can put on a lot of wounds. You could pair them up with single Mincers as well. Adding in the Mincers, right? So you'd be 2d6 plus 27 if you put a Mincer. If you got one on each flank, you could potentially throw in 3d6 plus what 33 (laughs) that would be quite and they're also they're they're fearless now as well which is a quite a big change yes yeah that that, i think that's huge because they're relatively low nerve but you do have the big shield and for them to be fearless now is i think that's a significant help and take also you can add the magic item to them and just add insult to injury right because they're a chariot so they've gone from large cap to chariot but they're a dash 16 defense six unit with d6 plus 21 attacks Oh, I'm saying only 200 points. I mean, we're in goblins, that's a lot of points, but for any other army, only 200 points. That's amazing. I can't see why people wouldn't take at least three of these and just kind of rather than trolls. Yeah, unlocks. they're fun. I, I, like, I like the mincers, yeah. And also, yeah, unlocks. <laughs> but they're definitely fun. I, I enjoy using them. It gives me an opportunity modeling-wise to come up with some weird contraptions. As a matter of fact, I want to build more. Um and it's not even necessarily because of the stat-wise, just because of the whole concept behind it, <laughs> you know. And um, yeah, but statistically, they're they're good. I mean, they grind stuff up well. Yeah, I recommend them. They're fun to play with. Right. And so, skipping forward, you know, briefly to the mincer itself. So, you'd recommend running mincer mobs with mincers to support them because they're also dash eleven now as well, with the kind of same stat line for ninety points. That's that's pretty. But again, it is an unlock that you could maybe use for a different kind of monster. Is there still a place for ranks of mincers? Sure. Rabble, Mincer Mobs, and Mincers. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely because 
you know, for 90 points, it's, it's a dash 11. If someone gets on the side, they're still going to route it pretty easily at defense four. But to the front, uh, you can take some lightning bolt shots or some regular shooting shots, right? And you might just shake those off as long as and, – and the, if you have enough other things. That, that was always the thing with goblins, right? You've got enough threats on the board that they've got to figure out – You know, your opponent has to figure out what are they going to deal with. And these guys might be further down the list on what they need to deal with if something else is is a bigger issue or scarier. So the way I always considered Mincers was it's a giant's worth of attacks in D6 plus 6, but it's only 90 points. And it's defense 6, whereas giants are defense 5. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty... In, uh, uh, what's the word? Dirt. Dirty. <laughs> Very <laughs> goblin-like. So so I want to move on to the, to the, the place where your unlocks really start to count up and tick off, right? Because... In terms of war engines, I think war engine spam is definitely a thing, and goblins can almost lead the charge in the kind of options that they've got. So it's worth, along with all of Grogger's other stuff, the Great Lobber is gone, but we've got a whole list of war engines that you can take, you know, from war, the traditional war trombones through to the big rock sharp stick throwers, and now the Morpup launcher as well. So let's start with the war trombone. So I've never seen a goblin list in version 2 that didn't have 2 to 3 war trombones, because 65 points for what they put out at piercing one was pretty devastating. Yeah. So in version three, the the points have stayed the same, but you've lost a couple of attacks. Still worth taking? Uh, yeah, they're fun. If you've got a heavy infantry army, uh, close range support and stuff, um, absolutely. I mean, if you got the points and you want to, yeah, take them. <laughs> and they can so, still play backfield support to deter flyers. So right. I think they're still fine. Obviously, with the change to breath attack weapons, they won't be as good against individuals as what they were before, but they're still fine. They're still cheap, and they were ten attacks at the end of of second edition, and and they were fine at that point. So I I, I think you'll still see them. Right. And my comparison is kind of I guess to weapon teams in Ratkin because I was a Ratkin player, and looking at water bones, I was always you know massively jealous. All we had in in Ratkin was an extra point of speed and nimble, which is huge because you could pivot one eighty and still get to something that was behind you like 13 or 14 inches away which trombones couldn't do true but but yeah that was that was the one significant difference but 65 points i mean speed five like you say you've still got 10 attacks on piercing one as long as you're not playing night stalkers they're going to be pretty effective still right yeah Yeah. and again they're they're chip damage right and it's one more thing that's on the table that your opponent has to decide am i going to shoot shoot charge the trombone or am i going to shoot or charge some other unit that's a scoring unit so you're you're with just with number of drops, you're forcing your opponent to make decisions on targeting priority. Yep, I agree with that also. So the um, the the big guns, I suppose, of the of the Goblin War Engine list is your big rocks throwers and your sharp stick throwers. So um, the points of both of them have gone up, and you've lost some blast. But let's see the changes. So we've got ignores cover on the big rocks thrower. We don't have ignores cover on the sharp stick thrower, but it's cheaper. So is it worth running both? Which one? Would, or is it is it a choice? Um, where do we stand on these kind of these these war engines? Well, I think the bigger rock throwers are definitely the better buy out of the two. Uh, the sharp stick throwers, yeah, they're a little cheaper and stuff like that. But it does not ignore cover, and cover is kind of like a big thing. I like the rock lobbers. As long as you see them, you can drop rocks on their heads. We got two attacks now. Um, the blast has kind of dropped, but it really hasn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been using them a yeah. little bit and they really i kind of like them better now they just they hit more often they do more damage you know you get that winget um spotting for you so 
oh, no, we lost Grogger's Lobber, but now we can have a whole battery of elite rock lobbers. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I like rock lobbers. I mean, they're definitely punchy. They're, they're really good at keeping your opponent, like your opponent's big scary stuff, like their dragons and everything else, at a respectable distance usually, or it makes them think so they don't just kind of go diving headfirst into your, into your rabble and everything else. I, they've won games for me. Um, I like them. I take them. Yeah, you can force your opponent to come towards you. You can deny areas of the table with the big rock throwers. I think, like second edition, you'll see big rock throwers taking over sharp stick throwers. Sharp stick throwers, so the, with cover, they go up to range five, which is the same as the big rock throwers. So that's not terrible from that perspective. They're just a little bit less damage right at piercing two and just blast D3 instead of D3 plus one. But they're not, they're not bad. I think it's just, if you're limited, if you're only going to be able to take six war engines, let's say, you're going to take big rock throwers over sharp stick throwers, I think. Right, so, and piercing three is not to be underestimated, given, you know, people will still bring lots of high defense units, and piercing uh, and crushing is actually at a premium now in version three, right? So blast D3 plus one, yeah. ignoring cover, piercing three, and if you're throwing in, so let's talk about the wing it, since, since it's kind of relevant at this point, isn't it? So as a monster adding elite, I think it makes them one of the most devastating war engines of the game. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if if you're going this route, you're probably taking at least two wingets and six six engines. Uh, what you take, I guess, up to you. I'd see a lot of people probably taking three big rock stores and three mop pup launchers since the launchers have dual use. You can clear chaff with them if you've got line of sight. And then after that, you can put mop pup cages on your rabble and your and your flea bags if you're using those yeah so um the more pub launches so that's a brand new war engine with three attacks plus d3 it's 36 rather than the rather than the the 48 of the others but it still ignores cover no piercing so but but again it's got a roll against chaff because of that and you're going to have so many units that you could just use to to chuck more pups into right to increase their melee potential i think it's a really great addition it's very flavorful right I think it's very fun. I, I've been using them. Um, I took them to Harvest the Soul tournament. Um, I enjoyed them. They're, yeah, they're very versatile. You know, you can you know reinforce your units, which is good. It gives you that little extra attack you definitely need. Uh, <laughs> um, and they're not particularly powerful per se, but they're good at you know, pick like you were saying, picking off uh, chaff and um, you know light armored units and whatnots. Yeah, I, I like them. I take them sharp sticks. <laughs> I mean, not a sharp stick thrower any day. Yeah, and if you can park, uh, wing it out in range, you got a few more attacks coming in from him if you can get him in a safe spot. So yep. he could be spotting a unit that he's attacking and all your war engines are attacking as well. Right, so in the wing it, so it's segueing into the monsters, you know, wing it is a, A, that model is absolutely amazing. It's brilliant, and I just really, really love it, and I want to find a way to use it in my list, uh, in my Rackin list, frankly, because I'm not going to paint 200 Goblin models, but I have already painted <laughs> 200 Rackin models, so hey. <laughs> but, you know, and he's, you know, it's speed 10. It's, um, it's not great in melee, but it does have three attacks. It scores. It's got a 12-inch rage attack with blast and piercing and steady aim and vicious. And at 10 points gives you the spotter to make everything illegal. And you can use the spotter and your firebombs, right? It's not something you can... It's not an well, overall. It's, right, it's right. almost... Rid, I'll use the word ridiculous. Very <laughs> goblin-like. In that you can use spotter when you're wavered. You can use spotter when you're engaged in melee. You can use spotter when you're... The, at least the way the rules are written, and I haven't seen them clarify it yet. You can use spotter right when you're shooting as well. So 
basically you're going to be using it every turn that that thing is on the board. Yeah, the winget, the winget's a jerk. I mean, that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, at the end of the game, right, he gives you speed 10 flying. So you've already got speed 10 units, but now you've got a flying unit as well that can jump around to claim objectives. Yeah, it definitely opened up a new level of, uh, you know, engaging the enemy with the goblins. Now that we have a flyer and we can have, like, multiples of those flyers, I mean, are they war-winning? They can be. Yeah, you get that last turn, you know, snatch and grab on an objective. Um, they're really great at harassing units. Um, mm-hmm. You ignore them, they're going to they're gonna steal stuff from you, or they're just going to firebomb you the whole game and, and just generally be a, a pain. Um, I already heard have heard a, a lot of other players complaining about the wingets, like, oh, they're too OP and this and that and everything else. I, I suffer. Sorry. I, <laughs> I got my flyers and last dead. I finally got my little flyer. He's not that powerful, I don't think. He is annoying. Uh, he is fun to play with. And uh, he's definitely, I, I welcomed it with open arms. I definitely he's like the wing. Very, very goblin in that he's annoying. He's not that tough, right? Low nerve, but he's annoying. And it's just one more, again, we keep talking about it, it's one more unit you put on the table and they've got to decide, hey, do I take that guy off who's spotting? He's not going to do a lot of damage, but it's going to be annoying. He's mobile. Do I, what, like, what unit do I worry about? That's it. And, you know, right. saying low, like, he's 13-15, which is not a shabby nerve, and he's only 120 points, which means you can very easily take a couple of them, and most people do. And playing against them, you've got to deal with those, right? You can't just leave them kind of sitting out on your flanks because they're making your war engines better. They're, they're hitting you with blast. And then, you know, they can charge into you. And like you say, they can turn around because they're nimble, move 20 and score an objective at the end of the game. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're little jerks. I, I like them. Yeah, I'll continue to take them. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you could, I guess we have, we're going to get to them in a second, but you could easily see people taking anywhere from six to nine of these monsters on this page right between the master the blaster and the wing it if they sure. just cheap drops that have capability to uh put some damage out right because speaking of jerks the goblin blaster went from a novelty unit that people took for a joke to a really really annoying unit that people throw at you and you just have to deal yeah. with i think the new goblin blaster is amazing so I love him. I, I got, as a matter of fact, I got a new one on the painting rack right now. He's almost done. Um, I like him just because 65 points, they're disposable unit. Um, they have a ranged attack now. They have like little firebombs they lob around. You're not going to win the war with them, but, you know, all of a sudden you got that, you know, defense, heavy infantry unit. Then again, too, I've had times where I've used a blast wagon, like, rolling for hits and I, I like snake eyes you know they just kind of fizzled a little bit but you know they're a fun unit they'll definitely keep your opponent sweating you can't ignore them they either got to shoot it off the table and with third edition with a lot less shooting going on um their survivability has increased um they're height three so you can hide them behind like trolls or your sniffs yeah they're fun they're and plus, they don't blow up your own army anymore, right? Which was always the big problem with the original Goblin Blasters is that you had to leave a clear space around them. See some of them, uh, like I said, you're going to be working to try to get them into flanks, working them with mobs, whatever you happen to have, giants even, set them up to get them into a flank. And then you can decide whether, you, once you get, get it set up, right, do I charge them because it's going to cost me the unit uh, since it will blow up after at the end of the melee round. But... Or do you just kind of sit them there with positioning? It'll be up to you. But if you've got earth elementals or something that's that's tough to deal with, defense six, right? If you can get these guys in a flank, it makes that unit a lot 
a lot more easily dealt with as far as Goblins are concerned because uh, defense six would be the thing that would be toughest typically for Goblins to deal with unless you're either A, your rock lobbers are hitting or you can get blasters in the flank. I agree. And you have to make sure too now because how the rules are written with the new third ed, make sure you get the charge off because if yeah. you get charged and you get wiped, you know, the, the machine's wrecked. It doesn't blow up like it used to. So definitely make sure you get that charge. So if you put them in like a, in my opinion, if you put them in a second line role supporting whatever blob you have me, you know, going out there to kill everything, um, yeah, keep them in your second line and work, try to work a flank or even a rare if you can and uh, watch the fireworks. One interesting thing is, though, you have to be careful. Like, say you want to, you're going to try to kill them with an individual you better make sure you kill it because if you have stuff lined up behind, he can keep going through individuals just like any other unit can because he doesn't blow up until the end of the um, turn. And that, yeah. I think that's not intentional. I think that was a, an <laughs> oversight. So hold on to that to while you've got it because uh, a friend of mine ran one, ran through two individuals into the flank of a unit, did over 200 points of damage with a single goblin blaster because it just kept on blasting through units until the end of the turn, which is definitely not what it's supposed to do. But if you happen to get that that, that nice flank, it's, it's a, a brilliant strategy. And I think even it's got a dash 10 nerve. So if somebody puts some chaff into it, yeah. it's not necessarily going to kill that blaster. And with the chariot base, it can then do a very nice, it's not nimble, but it can do a very nice corkscrew charge. And if they're not lined up, they're lined properly, go right into the flank of another unit. And with uh, crushing strength 3, blast D6, sure. oof. Not a fan. Yeah. And their defense five. Now, if I recall, it seems like so long ago, last edition already, but um, last edition, they were defense four, if I remember correctly. No, defense five. So they got a little. Five last time as well. Were they? Okay. I stand corrected. I apologize. But yeah, they're they're a fun unit. Get them. (laughs) And 65 points, you almost don't care. You know, they are fun, but they're actually a 65 point, very, very cheap unit that can do an absolutely devastating amount of damage. Yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't, don't need them because your opponent's all low defense. Then you can kind of keep them around if they're safe. You can keep them around till the end of the game and claim an objective with them again. Yep. Yeah. Although I kind of feel that if your Goblin Blasters are still around uh, to claim unit strength at the end of the game, then you're probably not using them right, right? Not no, it depends. I mean, if you're playing against defense three or four, you may not need them for that. Right, right, right. Right. And the fact that they're still scoring unit, I mean, 65 point scoring unit hanging back in your, you know, your airfield, you know, holding an objective and stuff while the stuff that can actually. I don't know, do more damage, I guess, against, the, like you were saying, against low toughness or low defense uh, units and stuff. Yeah, just keep them in your backfield. You know, they can still throw grenades grenades in too, right? So they it, they won't be sitting there doing nothing. Very cool. So on to the big boys of the of the Goblin list. So we, we've lost the giant, colossal giant. So the people who are running their, uh, uh, their six giant lists uh, are going to be a little bit disappointed, especially if they bought lots of Mantic Giants. But we still have a Giant, but it's kind of a combination of the two now, right? So it's um, a really hitty unit. Two, 225, it's an 1820. So it's not the Dash 20, the Colossal Giant. 1820, D6 plus 8. Still got Crush 4. It's got this uh, keyword, which I'm interested to see how that develops, of King's Pride. I'm assuming that's for a future edition. But yeah. um, is the Giant still worth taking? Are we still thinking this is kind of the ultimate chaff piece? Where do we Where do we take the Giant? Do we take the giant? If you were taking the colossals, you're and you want similar lists, you can still take them. Uh, I don't know how much more it'll pop up, um, but when you're playing armies like Trident Realms or if snare units, you're going to have to be a little careful with your position. Really, die hitting on fives. Um, that's a lot of points to sink into a unit to only be hitting on fives if you charge into the wrong 
enemy unit. Yeah, he provides a lot of hard-hitting support up close with the rest of your guys. Um, doesn't take up a lot of space on the battle line. He's tall. You can see over everything. Um, so allows you to, you know, get those double charges or whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely gotta watch out for the, like the ensnaring stuff. They're fun. I use them, you know. He's, he's still a solid angle. If you get him in, run him in at a, at, at, at an angle to your lines and your enemy, then you can set up flanks for your units to get in, which goblins are much more effective. I guess everyone is, but goblins are much more effective in the flank. I agree. Onto the slasher, your other titan in the list. So this has taken, it's taken a bit of a knock. Um, some people have said, and, but I still think it's a pretty good unit. Where do we stand on the Slasher? Are we still going to be seeing them? I like the Slasher. Um, I did find out that little knock the other day when I was fighting against a buddy of mine. I'm like, what? They're not crushing strength two anymore? Ah. And I kind of felt that a little bit when I plunged into like uh, a horde of toughness five on defense five. Um, yeah. Needless to say, it got a little ugly. But I like the Slasher. He uh, compliments my my flea bag style no i like i like the slasher I like the shooting capability of it i like the speed of it um it, it, like i said it got a little you know nerfed a little bit with the crushing strength going down to one um no no it's still crushed two it's still crushed two it was crushed three it's now crushed two. Oh, that's right my bad sorry i'm going to see now my age uh, yeah. but uh yeah well needless to say i like the slasher take them <laughs> they're fun they shoot um they stomp stuff good in close combat yeah definitely take Two, three. I'll take four if you got a big enough list. I can't imagine where I take a. <laughs> I, I, looking at a slasher versus a giant, I kind of feel like I'd always take a slasher, right? It's a kind of roughly equivalent points, but you've got a lot more shooting. It, it still hits pretty hard. It's just that it's defense five, so you can put it into something and it's going to survive a couple of turns at 16, 18. Yeah, the giant's right. a little bit more nerve, and if you're wanting to bust open defense six, the giant's going to do that better with crush four, most likely. Um, as long as you don't get a bad roll on your D6. I think I think they both have a role still, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few of them, A, just because Mantic's model looks really nice, and B, uh, it gives you a long-range option to take out your opponent's war machines if you're concerned about facing Anchors or goblins with lobbers or kingdoms of men with theirs or dwarves. There's, there's going to be a lot of armies that have access to 48-inch machines but the slasher will provide a decent counter for that as long as he lives long enough to shoot theirs down <laughs> that's why you take two or three of them yeah <laughs> but the way you're describing your list at the minute ron you've got two or three of everything it's literally you're playing four thousand point battles on goblins play it for a three <laughs> you didn't you didn't think that ron showed up you know just because the rules say 2300 <laughs> ron thought that meant 2.3 units of everything in the list you're right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm imagining a build. If you've got uh, lobbers, you've got wingets, you've got more pop launchers, and you've got slashers, a lot of that army is going to have a ton of wounds on it before it even closes with you at turn two, right? In theory. That's, <laughs> That's what we want. <laughs> so, um, speaking of unlocks and speaking of taking multiples of things, let's talk about heroes. So, the problem I had with with preparing this this review when looking at the heroes, there are so many goblin heroes here, right? And I, I don't think we've necessarily got the time to go through all of them. So what I think we should maybe do is, um, if I ask you guys to pick out like two, two maybe three of the ones that really appeal to you, you in the new version, and talk a little bit about what impact you know you think they make on the army, either as they were, you know, whizzes are kind of a kind of de facto choice in terms of needing bane chant and that lightning bolt, um, but talk about the impact they make on your army. So, uh, Shannon, let's start with you. 
Yeah, so the Kings on Chariots are still really good. I like them a lot in second edition, just a modeling opportunity in the models I had and because I was running Chariots as well. Uh, but they're a nice little platform with the seven attacks. And now they've got Crush 1 and Thunderous 1, so that makes them a little bit nicer. They're not going to be super grindy, but a little bit better than what they were in second edition. Uh, I think you're going to see... I'm going to go through more than two or three, sorry. But I think you're going <laughs> to see a lot of kings in armies with Jareth's Pendant and the Sacred Horn. And if I was running Goblins and Slashers, I'd still take it. I, it's not just for trolls. I'd be using it on Goblins and Slashers to get them across the field so you don't suffer some boxcar waiver on turn one or two that, that leaves your guys behind the line. I think it's a nice insurance policy. And Kings are just a nice, solid, all-around unit now with their nerve upgrade and Crushing Strength 1 as well. And then I think one that you may see a lot of as well is the Bang It with Shattering as well. So Shattering on a unit or two that will just help multiply your other range damage. And they're a nice-looking they're nice looking character, a lot of character to them. And I think we'll see a few of them, just maybe Stingets as well, just because of that. I don't think the Stingets as good of a unit to take in general, but uh, depending on meta, might take one for Hex, might take one for Weakness as well. Um, like if you drive a Mentor Mob up and cast Weakness on the unit that's across from it, and that unit doesn't have any crushing strength or a- access to crushing, then it can't even do damage to the Mentor Mob, for example, or to a Mentor as well. So I think both uh, Hex and Weakness are interesting options. It will For Hex, it'll depend on how many spellcasters you see that are above level zero that you're concerned with. Right, because one of the one of the you know the the kind of net list that we saw at the end of version two was a bunch of wizards with a bunch of unique spells, right? So things like Alchemist Curse, so yeah. on and so forth. That option is now gone. So the reduced um, versatility hex is great and weakness is good, but they're not kind of that damage addition that they used to be. I suppose you can still take one with uh, lightning bolt and the boomstick if you want a lightning bolt seven caster on a flea bag. That's still pretty effective. Sure. Yeah. So Ron, how about you? Well, I do like the King on Chariots for obvious reasons, which we were just explained. Um, definitely need to make more. Um, like two general go-tos. I'm really content with just using cheap whizzes with, you know, the mounted on, you know, with the Bane Chant, you know, supporting units and, you know, dropping those lightning bolts on people. And the big hit, because especially now with the biggest, with the crushing strength one, um, you know, they're a little more stabby in close combat, keeping an enemy wizard at bay. But they, you know, ultimately they're just to uh, inspire the rest of the horde. As far as the new units, um, I did make three new Stingets. I have not used him yet, but yeah, so I got my ninja. I just haven't used him yet, so I really can't give you my opinion on them. Um, I can see them being fun, hunting down enemy wizards and whatnot. I like the bandits. I haven't have any yet. I haven't made any yet, but I definitely want some. Just mostly just because they're a bunch of lunatics running around with grenades. That that alone is enough just to you want to make them. <laughs> as far as effectiveness, yeah, I could see them being nasty in groups or appear. Um, you know, especially if you're working like close with like a winget or something like that, just dropping bombs everywhere and just generally causing a nuisance. So um, yeah, I'm hoping to run them pretty soon. But no, my general go-tos are my wizards and my bigots. That's what I like the most. Yeah, they still have great hero options. I think most lists, you'll wish you had more hero slots. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. a wealth of choice. Would you ever envision you taking a troll bruiser? It, it, it kind of, for me, it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the list. If you're taking trolls, it seems more effective to put a king behind them with, with the upgrade for headstrong rather than sticking a bruiser in there for some reason. Uh, 110 points feels expensive for this list. 
Okay, yeah, like the troll bruises are fun. You're better off taking the king, I think. Um, but they're fun. They're they're tough. They they hit hard. The nerve is once again still an issue with them. But keep them with your rest of the hordes of trolls that you may have. Um, they inspire. Uh, keep them for flank protection. Um, they are nimble, and um, yeah. But you're better off with the king, as we were saying earlier and stuff. Probably with the you know dependent and whatnot. So. so one thing they bring is a scoring unit that's nimble and can double its attacks in the flanks. But I think that you have so many other options for heroes in the goblin list that they won't be seen a lot. And if you're wanting, wanting to play large infantry heroes, you're probably playing night stalkers or ogres, probably most likely ogres, um, which are armies that do the large infantry and heroes a little bit better, I would say. Definitely. So let's um let's move on to uh, unique units. So I've mentioned it a couple of times that Grogger, his goons, and the Great Lover is gone. And hands up, I've not had the time to read through the Goblin lore. Is there a reason that Grogger's popped his corks? Is he just off on a cruise with Mortibris? Where's 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 Grogger gone? <laughs> I really Give me don't know. Five I minutes to read the lore. <laughs> out that much among Drulia, so. No, he never featured in Among Druid. But they, I think in many ways the, the Grogger's units were often a crutch for the stuff that goblins needed fixing in the version, right? So perhaps there's just not a, a need for them anymore for those fearless. You've got plenty of fearless units now. You don't necessarily need um, them to be added in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So in terms of ones that we still do have, um, we have Magua and Jules, um, who's still here as a spellcaster, and we've got Kuzlo and Madfall. Now, I've never seen Magua on, on the battlefield. I did see a bit of Kuzlo, and I'm seeing him a lot now. So talk about these two units and kind of would you, would you take one, either, both? I like them both. I don't know how much you'll see them, with again, with the other options, but, but I do like them both. Uh, I like the models for Magua and Juice. So I, 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 I've had one made up, and I've used it a few times, especially back when the Mag 1's Maw Beast were a little better. I had used it a couple of games. But I think the interesting thing about him now is the seven attacks and duelist with hitting on three is crush two. So he can kind of protect your back lines against other individuals that your opponent may send in uh, since he's nimble. Granted, he doesn't have the range, but with the wild charge, he can maybe charge somewhere between 13 and 15 inches, right? So he's got some options to, to shut things down that come back into the back, especially if that's an enemy hero. He's he's got enough attacks that if he gets first strike on a vampire lord, he's got a decent chance to waver, put it in range to be wavered, right? So uh, I think I think he's a pretty solid option. And then I would expect to see Kuzlo and Madfall a fair bit, not every army by any means, but a fair bit in both Goblin and Ogre list. I think having Hex is very useful now, and then his enthrall ability is nice to potentially pull things out of line from your opponent's uh, army as they're moving towards you. And just to have something that would stack with Brutal or Shattering, which the Kuzlo's special rule does. So I think he's got some interesting options to use as well. And then being a scoring unit that has some regen and it can be off on its own. In fact, you might want it off on its own away from the rest of your list so you're not giving yourself negative nerve. Uh, I, I think both of them are interesting, interesting options. Um, I would have to agree. Um, you know, Magwan Joes, he's cool. He's got a little bit of shooting with his lightning bolt four. But yeah, if he gets in close combat with an individual, he's gonna he's gonna you know beat him up pretty good. Um, which is quite a surprise for most players because you know goblin characters 
aren't exactly known for their uh, courage or fighting capability, for that matter, in close combat. So that could be a nasty little surprise. Um, Kuzo Madipal, I recently got a hold of that model not too long ago, and I got them all painted up. And, and uh, I've used them a few times. I haven't used them in this edition, but I used them in last. But as far as how the new edition is, yeah, he's he's nasty. Uh, he's fast. He's nimble. I mean, he can he can chew on you in close combat. His spells are pretty cool. He's kind of like more a little more specialized. But both units, I think, are a nasty little surprise for someone if they weren't ready for it, if they're not expecting it. Once again, adding to the chaos theory that are goblins. <laughs> and there is something about Kuzlo is that his um, his ravenous lizard ability stacks with dread, which is something that nothing yeah. else does. So if you have shattering or dread and you have and you have ravenous lizards, that's an additional minus one. Like probably more useful in the ogre list, to be honest, than the goblin list. But it is worth noting. Right. Oh, and hot hot news! I've had a brief pricey of the law, um, and apparently Grogger has retreated to lick his wounds after being driven out of the forest of Galahir. But uh, he's yeah. been carefully plotting his revenge, and the forest of Galahir will be the first place to feel his wrath. Look out for a future supplement, right? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. You know, he's no challenge to the great con. No, no. <laughs> nothing is really. Well, at least that's what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> so, coming on to the questions that we've been asked, so we've covered uh, Gad's question of rabble of sharpsticks. Um, Rusty Shackleford asked us, "Have you always hated fun, or is it a new thing?" No, I've always hated it. <laughs> Got no place. What fun? Is that what he said? Does, no does he mean? Yeah, what does he what does he mean by fun? Because like when I see Ron playing goblins, it certainly looks like he's having a lot of fun. Oh, I'm having a blast! I love terrorizing people. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that fun is solely reserved for you, and other people it's an optional extra. They have to build no, fun into their own list too, right? I mean, the game should be fun in general. As far as like like like, what does he mean though? Like fun to fight against? I mean, they're goblins, whatever. I didn't write the stuff, uh, <laughs> you know. As far as being fun to play oh they're great they're really fun to play they're really relaxing <laughs> you know a lot of stress-free involved with playing goblins just have fun but being punished by goblins the thing is like everyone underestimates the goblins they think oh they're like little half-sized weakling cowardly creatures and individually they are but you know when they get the bright idea and they get all their buddies together and they make these crazy war machines and they go on a marauding spree and terrorizing the countryside all of a sudden they're a big major threat and everything else well i don't know i don't know what to tell you i'm, I'm not sorry <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth saying also rusty is mainly an abyssal dwarf player which is the most anti-fun thing to play ever so he's My a huge goodness. he's a huge yeah. apart from being the, one of the nicest people i've ever met he's a big hypocrite right there so it's okay well it's funny too because in our fluff like in, in our local fluff in particularly with the mongrels you used to be slaves for the Abyssal Dwarves. If, um, if you ever get an opportunity, go check out uh, Jake's article he did on the Mongrels on Dash 28. And it was just really cool because he kind of did it like a Marco Polo style like storyline. And early Mongrel history, Mount Yamada, which is the headquarters of the Mongrel Empire, um, used to belong to the Abyssal Dwarves. And we used to be slaves for them. And that's where we kind of came up with a lot of the ideas and stuff for like our war engines and and our technology and everything else. So we kind of have like a, a long-seated hatred for the Abyssal Dwarves. 
So he's he's only making this worse then. Right? So I'll, I'll let him know next exactly. time. Exactly. I declare war on you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Artaves um, says, does using an infant supply of expendable pets look like a good way to play the green skin? So he's talking about your uh, more pups. I think you're going to see the launchers in most lists. Maybe not all, but in, in a lot of lists. And they, if you're not shooting the enemy with them, you better be loading your units up with them. I, I agree. You're going to be seeing a lot of them. So get used to it. You know, I, I like using them. I'll use them. <laughs> awesome. So Rob Berman has given us a ton of questions, which is ironic considering he, mo- he wrote most of the Goblin lore, but uh, I think he needs some help with learning how to play the army. So his first question is, how many Minster mobs do I need? How many do you got? Need. Yeah. <laughs> Zero to N. Zero to N. So <laughs> yeah. Hope that's yeah. helpful, Rob. Some. Um, how to best use trolls? As paperweights. <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> I, I I can offer you suggestions to where to stick them, Rob. But uh, if you're going to use them, I guess maybe like as a a heavy core to the middle of your line, surrounded by plenty of chaff, so they don't get wavered. Right? You're just gonna ha- yeah, you're gonna have to be careful, uh, or they're gonna be wavered. And if you're taking them at 190 points right now, you're spending as much on your units as what your opponents are. So you have to keep that in mind too. Right. I mean, they work good with, like, sniffs and flea bags because you can hide them amongst, like, you know, the flea bag. Like, you can have a screen of, like, sniff troops, for example, you know, providing, like, a screen, and that helps, you know, with the deployment and getting them across the table. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trolls are okay. I think one of the one of the more famous Goblin Generals that used trolls was, was Andy Ransom, Andy 2D6, and we were really hoping Andy could join us, but unfortunately he's on well, so get well soon, Andy. But uh, maybe shoot Andy a message and uh, see how he's using them. How to use the wing it properly, he says. Um, in a pair. Yeah, I think you'd take two of them for redundancy, because that's the Goblin way. Maybe three of them, because they're annoying, which is also the Goblin way. <laughs> uh, don't push them out where they're going to get charged and uh, taken out, but you can still, if you need to, they're chaff. They're in a goblin list. You can use them as chaff, but don't just throw them away, obviously. Make sure you have them where you can get your 24-inch spotter out for whatever unit you want to drop rocks on or mop-ups. It's the main thing, you know, keep them, keep them safe where you can. Is it flinging down the flanks supported by sniffs or um, flea bags? You can. I mean, you can I, keep them close to the line just as a threat. I mean, just in there alone is a threat. You can use them to, you know, support your infantry up close. Um, you can have them totally zip down a flank with some flea bags or whatever, or some sniffs behind the line, and, and, and just wreak havoc on enemy war machines. There's a lot of versatility with them. And yeah, he's a he's a he's a little judge. Yeah, <laughs> as I said, getting them behind the lines is fine. I don't think you're so worried about flinging them down a flank because they only have five. Uh, what is it? Three attacks actually, right? For melee, and you don't have any crushing with them, so. You're going to keep them out of close combat all the yeah, way. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you want to run them around, like Ron said, and get them in the backfield, sure, they can throw grenades at war machines or sit behind the enemy's line and throw grenades at them from behind. That's fine. Um, you can also keep them closer to your lines because you got 24 inch range on the spotter. Right. He says, uh, controversial question best allies for goblins? Orcs and ogres. I don't think you take allies, it just waters them down. Yeah, I kind of agree with that too. You want your points for unlocks. So I have like orcs, ogres, um, a couple different goblin-style tribes. But um, yeah, you generally don't really need to ally with anybody. You got everything you need. You know, you really don't. I kind of feel with goblins, you want to use 
all of your points in buying as many units as possible. And allies tend to eat up those points a little bit quicker than you'd like, right? Yeah. So I think we covered his code. Which war machines are best? So I think we've discussed that at length. And the answer was lobbers and uh, Morpup launchers. And also trombones. All of them. All of them except sharpstick throwers. Hope that helps. And he says, uh, last question is, can you please write me the greatest 2,000-point list that will definitely beat Night Stalkers all the time, asking all these just to get the conversation going, that's all, no ulterior motives, just totally random questions picked out of the air? <laughs> yeah, sure, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because, yeah, Night Stalkers will be one of the tougher matchups with Stealthy versus what Goblins probably want to do in 3rd edition in a lot of cases. Um, at the very least, you're always going to want to have some shooting typically with goblins, and so night stalkers are going to slow you down there. And if you're going war machine heavy, then it's you're definitely going to feel the impact of half shots. Yeah, I agree, guys. Night stalkers are spooky. You got to be careful fighting them and stuff, especially at like tournaments where you're trying to maintain like a balanced army and yada yada. Um, night stalkers, yeah, I could definitely see being a pain in the butt and stuff with all that stealth because goblins do rely. Not necessarily have to, because you don't have to do anything you don't want to in this game, which is kind of cool. But we're goblins generally relying a lot on missile weapons to soften up the targets before they come swooping in with the coup de gras. Um, yeah, that'd be definitely difficult against Night Stalkers. I suppose you want to consider maybe a list with quite a few flea bags, maybe some, you know, a couple of slashes, something that can you can throw into the Night Stalker kind of hitty units that are quite fragile take them off and then kind of wear them down and claim your objectives with your with your larger kind of um unit strength blocks right well you can never go wrong with just your rabbles <laughs> so you know just throw more rabbles at them okay. bog them down 10 okay. hordes of rabble is the answer that was <laughs> <laughs> the answer for everything no just kidding after your 10 hordes of rabble you've only used up a third of your list points so then, <laughs> well i guess about half half actually right but, right, right. ouch um, James Warburton says, really struggling writing Goblin lists. So many choices, not enough points. So for a new player writing Goblin lists, where do you start? Rabble, yeah. normally. Uh, I, I, they're almost going to be at the core of pretty much every list. So you're probably going to want a couple, three, two or three Rabble hordes, and then you can kind of figure from there. That gives you your initial unlocks if you're doing heroes, war machines, monsters, whatever, and then work it from there. We mentioned earlier, you know, you can take the luggage, you can take more Rabble regiments, if you want to take things that are irregular, like the sniffs and the chariots, you can do that once you've got your core unlocked. Uh, there's no reason you couldn't play a list with only three mon- or sorry, yeah, three monsters, three heroes, three war engine slots, and then filling in with, with units for the rest of it if you wanted to. It's just a different style. Yeah, but I agree. Um, you know, just start with your basics and then take it from there. Because after a couple times of playing some lower point games, you know, start with your basics. Definitely like you were saying, the rabble and whatnot play some lower point games and eventually you'll start developing like your own style. There'll be certain units that like they, they feel to you, you know, that's kind of like what you enjoy using the most. And a lot of it too, you know, is affected by what you're fighting against, you know, whatever your, your buddies may be throwing at you and stuff. But, um, yeah, you can't go wrong with just starting with the basics, start with your rivals, your sharp sticks, you know, whatever, pretty much start with the basic box set <laughs> and then just take it from there and you'll develop your own style and your own way of playing in time. Yeah. Cool. Brian Lawrence says, why did Mounted Heroes get vicious? Even Sniffs got vicious. I'm, I'm not sure we can answer that because we're not on the rules committee, but any thoughts? Points. Uh, if you ahead. look, yeah, I was going to say, if you look, almost every army has a unit that's more or less equivalent to the Goblin Bigot now. So the, the points are very similar on all of them. Uh, yeah, some of them do have special abilities, Iron Resolve or Headstrong or whatever else that Goblins don't get, but 
to have the bigot now have crushing strength is a huge benefit from second edition. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I agree. The um, the reason why bigots, and this is like totally like legit and official. The main reason, <laughs> totally joking, but the main reason why bigots don't have vicious is because the rest of the units they're together in packs, and goblins they kind of feed off each other. And you know, when you have a pack of goblins together riding a bunch of giant wolves, yeah, it's pretty vicious. So therefore, that's why they have the vicious. I like it. Fluff reason. <laughs> so he also asks are cavalry hordes viable TC1 doesn't seem like enough hitting power combined with hitting on fours where are the hammers in the goblin army yeah well use your hills and use a whiz with bane chant and yeah then the, and the hammers in the goblin army are behind the line throwing rocks at the enemy everything else realistically for the most part blasters obviously can be a bit of a hammer and maybe mincers because they're lower points lower defense you could call them a mini hammer but things like giants and so forth are still really anvils more than they are hammers, and that's the way most of the goblin list is. So you're just going to have to get used to. You're not going to have anything that's going to roll up like second edition mounted sons of Corgan or soul reavers and just roll through a unit on its own. It, it's just not going to happen in the goblin list. You you have to support your units, and you're just trying to put on a few wounds a turn, a few wounds a turn, and you use redundancy and lots of units to just make it stack up by the end of the battle and play for the scenario. I agree. Yeah, you got to gang up on your opponent. You know, one for one, we're going to lose every time. So definitely got to gang up on your opponent. And like you're saying, you got to prep them a little bit. Take the first couple turns to soften them up, drop some rocks on their heads, make them think. And then, you know, by the mid-game, you're finally clashing hand-to-hand. And by the end of the game, you're already pushing through and sweeping through because they just they can't deal with that much filth on them. <laughs> nice, covered in filth. Yes. James Grimaldi says, "Why is the slasher still such a poor choice, especially when compared to the giant?" Mantic went and made a cool slasher model, but the rules for it still suck. I don't think we'll see them much, contradicting everything we've said so far. So please tell James why we think he's wrong. Because he is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the slashers, like I said, there's more utility inside of a slasher than a giant. The giant's going to punch yeah. you in the head harder, but the, like we were saying earlier, this, but the slasher has that little flexibility where you can shoot things and you can knock out enemy war machines and, and still eat face in close combat. And he's still a follow-up that, let's say, even a horde of dragons doesn't necessarily want to charge into something and then have the slasher come up, ground them, block their range of vision, and if he gets the first charge in, he's maybe doing four wounds to him first round they're probably not going to kill him on the counter charge unless they've got a bane chan or some extra offensive capability and so you know you can get him in a grind and he might grind him out because get a waiver on him and and then you're in business yeah put a slasher on somebody's flank and uh, come back how much they suck yeah yeah I, they're, <laughs> they're not fantastic but again everything in the list is is sort of in that boat i get what he's saying they lost an attack they lost a crush strength and when you look at their second edition points, third edition points, they lost a nerve as well. So it doesn't look like that's all accounted for. Uh, but, and I haven't done a, I haven't really gone through to say, oh, how do they compare to other units in third versus their points? But you're going to see that, right? It, you can't just, you're not going to be able to just compare stats and points from second edition to stats and points in third edition and say, wow, this unit got 30 points worse or 40 points worse and you only gave it a 10 point discount. Right. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the the only way you're really going to understand any of it is it by using it or playing against it. You know, like a lot of these people, especially yeah. the new edition, like, wah, wah, wah. I'm like, give it a try. Try it out. 
give it a whirl. You might have to change your tactics. You might have to change out your, your style a little bit, you know, whatever. But it, there's nothing really different about this new edition. I mean, we just had to change up our tactics a little bit. If anything, it's a lot smoother and a lot faster. That's one thing I noticed at that last tourney and then playing locally, it, 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 it seems smoother. It's a lot. I like it. I'm really digging it. And as far as like people trying to compare from second edition to third edition, it's kind of like you really can't. The best way to kind of get a feel of it is just to get out there, start rolling some dice and, and, and you know, come up to a better conclusion. And you have so many options in the list, too, right? If you don't like the slasher, don't take it. Take three giants and right. fill up right. whatever else you like. Right, it's about the synergy within the list, right? You can't just say, oh, compared to version three, it's terrible, or compared to the giant, it's terrible. It's what does it do for your list? Does having yeah. a kind of mini Titan giant that can see over everything and shoot stuff and still hit really hard, does that feel, fit with the rest of the stuff you're playing? Because realistically, people are going to want to deal with it, but if they're suddenly dealing with a horde of this on the other side and you've got three regiments of, of, of Fleabag Riders coming at you, they're not going to have the time, and that's the value of, of the slasher, right? That, that's true. I mean, you can't just look at a goblin unit individually. You have to look at the goblin army as a whole and how they interact with each other and how they support each other and how they work together. Like, there's a lot of combined arms, like, when you're dealing with goblins, in my opinion. Like, you just got to... In a lot of ganging up, you know, it's not just the rabble who's going to beat that unit. It's the rabble on the front, the rabble on the flank. You know, you got the slasher breathing down their neck. You know, that, those are the type of factors you got to look at. Well, and, and between these two, right, there's a decent chance that the giant's not going to be in combat till turn three. And so the first two turns, while the slasher's walking up, he can still potentially put out a few wounds from shooting or at least threaten to do so. Whereas the giant is. He's putting out threat, but he's not probably punching anything or being an anvil necessarily until you get to turn three, depending on how quickly you your armies come together. Right, I agree. This is quite annoying for me because I really don't need to paint another army. But, <clears throat> you know, when you talk through, you need to kind of suddenly see this would really fit the way that I play. And you're kind of thinking, maybe I should buy some goblin. I'm not doing it. Right, so. Just play uh, so the paint. All you got to do is prime them white and dip them. That's all you <laughs> You'll have them out in no time. I mean, the Manta Goblins are easy to assemble, easy to put together. You know, you can rip through a whole army in no time with them. And you already have furry goblins. Just, you know, play them right. as goblins' cousins. They're furry <laughs> goblins. <laughs> yeah, they're hillbilly relatives. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk through some potential builds. Maybe kind of a way into goblins if you're picking them for the first time or a way to use kind of some of the new synergies that we've talked about. So... Let's um, hopefully you guys have bought a, a sample list and uh, let's talk through those. So Shannon, uh, tell me about your list and how you think it'll work. Well, I'm not going to go into like the wing it rock lobber builds because people can figure those out on their own. I think uh, what I did do was look at something I played toward the end of second edition, and this is reasonably close to what I could get with third edition um, because I had to drop the chariot hordes. So I started off with three rabble hordes and two rabble regiments for my unlocks. And then for monsters, I took two giants and two slashers. And I went ahead and took three rock lobbers because I had some points. You could could either be rock lobbers, it could be trombones. Either one will provide some support. And then for heroes, I took I went ahead and took both Living Legends, Kuzlo and Magua. And then I also took a king on foot with the pendant. So he can walk up with the giants and the slashers and make sure I don't have to deal with those guys being lucky waiver roll from shooting and then i also took a king on chariot with a blade of slashing and that was for 2300 points which is what we'll be doing for masters here 
So that list is reasonably close to what I played before. I dropped the whizzes and took the two. Uh, I'd been taking three whizzes at the end, so I dropped that and took the two living legends. Uh, one of them gives me, Kuzlo gives me a unit to run down a flank and do some threats. He can also claim objectives. And then uh, Maigua gives me someone to kind of play some backfield goalie. Uh, he can do the lightning bolt for won't do a lot. And then gives me another inspiring source if I need it. So I would probably run you know, the king on one flank, king on chariot on one flank, and Kuzlo on the other, or run them together, but a few inches apart, so I'm not giving the king a negative nerve, and just let them plink it stuff on one side, put out a little bit of threat, because if they can get in a flank, they can do some wounds. I think what's nasty about that list is that there's a huge amount of infantry to, to, to claim objectives and to lock and to and block things up, but two giants, two slashes, you just can't ignore that, and that's going to punch through. If you double charge with either of those, it's going to be quite unpleasant for pretty much any unit in the game. Yeah, and it will, like I said earlier, it'll suffer if I run into an army that has a lot of ensnare, but otherwise um, should do okay. And even with ensnaring, you've got so much stuff, you could put a unit you don't care about in the front, and then one of your more horrible units is coming in the flank. Yeah. Cool. So, Ron, tell me about your list. All right, well, I also made a 2,300-point list, and um, being someone who really enjoys being fluffy, I went with more of like a fluffy approach. Is this going to win me any tournaments or anything? No, not really. But it's it's fun. And I call this the Mungdral Raiding Force. This is typically the vanguard of any horde that may be breathing down your neck. And we'll start off with uh, – what do I got? I can't read my own damn handwriting. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I got four troops of flea bag snips. I got three – Flea bag uh, rider regiments, one with the fire oil, most because I just had five points left. I have a flea bag horde with a caterpillar potion. I have two chariot regiments. I have two slashes. I have a flagget with the, uh, mounted with the diadem of dragon kinds, kind of like a mobile war trombone. Um, most because I really like the model I made for it. Um, I have two mounted whizzes uh, with bane chant. And last but not least, I have the Great Khan himself leading this raid with the Mournful Blade, who's also mounted on his faithful steed, Peck Peck. So, yep, that's my list. Where's the, where's the unlocks in that list? <laughs> that's huge. Um, it was all from the flea bags. Oh, uh, because flea bags, of course, they unlock. Yes. That is, and it's pretty fast, isn't it, as well? Like, I don't think that's, it's, like you say, it's, it's kind of fragile, but that's a really fast kind of almost alpha strike. Right, exactly. I mean, it, I've used some of the lists in the past. It's kind of like my style. I really enjoy doing it. Um, it, it is fragile. You've got to be really careful. Um, You've got to pick your fights really carefully. You know, like I said, find the weakest point in the line and, and try to pick on it. I've also found, too, that like the unit loses their, their, their battle line, I guess, if you would, if you like, they lose their coherency and whatnot. Um, yeah, you can get behind them. You can just start wreaking havoc. Um, against experienced players, like, you know, some of the master players that I get slapped around by sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not really feeling too threatened by it. Like I said, it's kind of like a fluffy list, uh, but against inexperienced players or, you know, mid rankers, whatever. Uh, it, yeah, it could definitely like be unsettling because I could be on you like whenever I want to be on you really. But being able to stick around, that can be a problem. So typically, my strategy will consist of um, just circling around you like a shark. You know, I'll be out shooting you up, um, lighting you up with lightning bolt and arrow fire, uh, slashes flicking at you. And then, you know, once I smell that blood, if I find a good weakness in your line, I'm, I'm coming in. And, uh, yeah, that's what I got. Nice. 
It's worth it. thinking about. So both of you have gone for 2300. Do you think Goblins is one of those armies that benefits from a higher points value? Do you think it struggles? If you're playing like a lower points, like 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, do you think it will struggle more than at 2300? Um, well, it, it, it depends on how you want to try to build the list. Like at lower point scales, I'll just bring primarily like an infantry type filthy army. But with the higher points, you definitely have a little more flexibility to get a little more kind of like, I don't know, bit creative, like kind of like what I was trying to do. I like big battles, you know, bring out the biggest table we got and as many points as we can throw on the table. So, like, that's just how I like to try to break the game. Um, like, I'll, I, I'll drop 6,000 point army. Let's do it. You know, spend the whole afternoon having a huge epic battle. But you got to be careful at the higher points, too, because we're typically playing on four by sixes. So, if, you know, you get this huge, like, 2,500 point infantry goblin army, you got to be careful because they'll be stumbling over each other. You, you, you have, you're kind of limiting yourself a little bit with that as far as maneuverability and stuff. I know? think goblins probably scale as well from low points to high points as any army in the book. A lot of because they have the cheaper unlocks, they have so many hero and monster slots, so you can just scale those up as points level increase. Right. I I just still personally think that goblins get more dangerous at higher point scales. <laughs> they just do. There's just so much of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know, if you get to a 2,500-point goblin army, there is so much on the table that you, people are going to struggle to chew through, particularly in objective games. I kind of threw another list together quickly, too, uh, Steve. I might go over just if you want to just throw a lot of stuff oh, on the no, table. Oh, no, no, no. We're only There's... allowed one list here. Hold on. I've got to go pull yeah, up but... another hey, list. Hey, pipe, pipe, pipe down, <laughs> Andy... let him Let him speak. <laughs> Andy's not here, so he can't give oh, us trolls. True. So I'll, give, right. I'll give the spam <laughs> drop list. Later. <laughs> I, I forget. This was... I think this is over 20 drops. Yeah, it's over 20 drops. Uh, so I went with four hordes of rabble and six regiments of rabble for unlocks. And then I took three mincers and three blasters, and you can just inter mix those up with your rabble. <laughs> A couple of kings on chariots for the flanks, and then uh, three bangets and three war trombones, so that can protect anybody. Any Anyone who gets close to you is going to be eating a lot in the face. Uh, <laughs> run, a, run a king with a headstrong pendant in the middle of that mess. <laughs> and then two mop-up launchers just to load the rabble up, right? So if you see a unit that's going to die to enemy, just load up the rabble unit that's behind it for the next turn when it gets ready to charge in. Right, right. That's filthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I kind of, kind of love that army. I kind of love it. Hard love it. I'm going to have to rewind this later and write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making notes. Oh, I'm recording it. It's cool. It's fine. I'm going to take it later. But that's, uh, I mean, if you want to play to one of the strengths of the army, which is just number of units on the table, it's a way to do it. It's not the highest unit strength you could put together. You know, you could take more scoring units and drop some of the... Oh, I made one that was like 56 unit strength at like 2300. It was like something stupid. (laughs) Just played around with like, you know, the goodarmy.com, whatever it is, and... uh, yeah, yeah, just playing around with the buddies in our in our chat group and really see how much filth. Yeah, well, like something like this, I think would be interesting, just because like where do you start when you're coming after it? It's nothing in there is very strong, but nothing's very expensive either. So you've just got so much on the table to deal with. This is too many wounds. This is too much to hack through. <laughs> yeah. Guys, this is really, really fun. So let's uh, let's deal with some shout-outs. Let's talk about some upcoming tournaments, maybe your plans for version 3, where you're kind of... So, so Shannon, Adepticon's on the way, right? And your TO again yes. this year. Yeah, uh, I need to ping Pat and make sure we get the rules pack published out now that the Adepticon site is live. Uh, I'll send an update off to the Kings of War tournament site, our U.S. site for events as well. Uh, I have posted in three of the in Fanatics, U.S. players, and worldwide groups, but... If anyone has any questions, they can ping me on Facebook. 
or once the pack comes out, I do have an email address in there for the event for people to submit list. Uh, I won't probably be checking that daily, but you can ping me if you send me something you need, that you need me to look at. It should be a lot of fun again. We hope to have a few more players this year than last year and be exciting to see who who takes it down this year and gets the trip over to the UK. Woo. Yeah, Ron, are you, gonna, are you coming to Adepticon? For me? Yeah. Uh, probably not. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I was really looking for Where is Adepticon? Honestly, I don't sound ignorant, but where is it even held at? Where is Adepticon? It's in Chicago. Oh, uh, Chicago. Suburbs, no, that's West suburbs. Yeah. And not too far, but unfortunately, no. I got I got some uh, local tournaments coming up. We have the um, was it a first blood tournament that my club's uh, hosting next month. That's uh, one day air, and then um, after that, we have the um, unplugged uh, grand tournament in Connecticut. Um, all then there's the Masters, um, the second best tournament. I'm not going to be able to go to that <laughs> one, unfortunately. Got to work, and. Yeah, then we have our tournament in May, which is the Orktown Grand Tournament. This will be our third year doing that. So, yeah, yeah, I'll continue to uh, run around locally in particular, or at least in the Northeast, and um, continue to terrorize locals. For Adepticon, I am going to go to uh, Andrew Summers is putting on a two-day for the first time down in Indianapolis with a convention there at the start of February, Indie Storm. So I'll go to that and then... It will be exciting. I'll go up to Masters this year. It'll be exciting to see everybody in the main event and the side event. We should have over 100 players on site this year, I believe, based on the capacities of the two events. I would expect they'll both fill, or the side event I would expect to fill up, and Masters will have 64 there. So uh, it'll be really exciting to see people coming in from all over the all the regions, and there should be a lot of people coming in from the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic for the side event as well. That's true. Half my club is going to be there. Yeah, so where do people sign? The, the message for Adepticon is you want people to sign up as early as possible, right? Because there's currently 80 places, and if you want to unlock more, you need to break 80 players signed up, correct? I think so. Um, I'm not sure how long we have to do that. Last year, we were able to expand out once to 60. Uh, I think we started with 40 and expanded to 60, but I think we probably have to do that by around the first of the year, pretty quick thereafter, because we do share the room with some other events, and if uh, if we don't fill up first, then we probably will not be able to get extra slots. So either way, I'll be excited to see 80. If we get more than that, it'll be a great. And the sooner we know, the better, because we'll probably have to dig up some extra terrain and, and mats uh, if we go above 80. <laughs> wow. Well, I am very excited because I am coming to Adepticon, and I have no idea what I'm bringing. I'm just coming to have and I'm playing the doubles tournament with Jeremy Duvall, which is the most exciting thing for me. And then I'm expecting to get fully smashed by every player I play and uh, really embarrass my entire country. So that should be quite fun. That's cool. So, Ron, if, where do we find out about Orktown? Well, Orktown, um, we'll probably most likely have been posting on all the major channels. Um, you know, beyond Fanatics, it'll be on, um, you know, Kings of World Worldwide. Um, we'll probably have it posted on the, um, uh, what is it, Northeast of Kings of War and on our local uh, Duke page. New England War Kings. Um, yeah, we, you know, we don't have any like major details yet. You know, we'll have it all posted, and we'll have it. We'll be spamming everywhere. <laughs> like one of my favorite things about Orktown is your prizes. I think you have some of the best trophies yeah, that yeah. you get in the um, world. That's not normally my department. That's my best friend Joe and my other buddy Doug. Um, they do most of the prizes. Yeah, they're all like I do all the training and stuff like that. That's my department. But um, yeah, like they do all. Like, all of our prizes are handmade. And they're unique, like, every year. I mean, we have our generic, like, not, they're not really generic because we have, like, molds and they're pretty 
cool for like pendants and whatnot and awards. But uh, yeah, like the first, second, third. Yeah, we have all kinds of. It's all handmade. It's all handmade. Whatever we can get our grubby claws on, and we go down to working headquarters and hammer away at it. And uh, you're guaranteed if you if you do good, you're gonna go home with something very unique. If not, just the experience alone is enough to uh, you know keep your blood flowing. <laughs> Fantastic. So before we wrap up. Um, any closing thoughts? Anything we've lost uh, in the transition that you really miss? Anything that was an opportunity that could have been taken? Anything anything that strikes out that we perhaps haven't talked about today? Ron? Oh, um, well, it, it's kind of like a little funny side thing. And, you know, we were talking about the mob pup launchers and whatnot. And I was thinking with the mob beast packs themselves. Instead of, they don't have mob cages, but instead of, you know, being able to do additional attacks and, you know, damage and whatnot during a charge have them almost gain like a regenerative ability. Like you can actually heal the uh, mob beast packs with the mob pup launchers. I thought that would have been kind of cool. But otherwise, as far as third ed, I'm happy with it. I'm having a blast with it. Nothing's really super changed in my army, you know, so I'm not complaining. You know, everybody else can complain all they want, whatever. But I'm having a blast. I plan on uh, ravaging the land still with the mongrels, and I'm going to keep at it. And um, I'm really looking forward, especially with these new units, getting some new stuff built down in Underrealm. And, uh, you continue on for many more years to come. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Sean? Uh, a few niggles, I guess, I've had with it, but for the most part, um, I'm, most of the rules changes I'm excited about, most any issues that I've had have just been kind of my thoughts on some of the lists, and I will get a better chance uh, to form opinions on those, I guess, after I've played more games and played against some of the things that I've seen that I've wondered about, so... Uh, I think they did a really good job with the rules and it'll be, for the most part, it'll all be cleaner now. Um, and I'm sure that anything that they missed will get erratus out for and will get cleaned up. So I, I think it's going to be uh, faster, just as easy, maybe faster game now even than before because they've cleaned up some of the charging issues and it should be exciting. Uh, look forward to the next four or five, six years, however many years we get out of the edition. Awesome. And one last question for you, Shannon. How's talking through the lists has it changed your opinion in running a Goblin Force? Do you think there's something actually you think, well, that's actually, I might go back to this a bit sooner than I would have otherwise? Uh, we'll see. I've got some other stuff I really want to work on. It's the, the issue of having a closet full of models, right? I need to get through, get through <laughs> them sometime. So this is as good of an excuse as any to switch things up. That's awesome. So, Ron, do you want to take us out? Uh, well, I want to say thank you for having me. Um, it's been a, a total pleasure. It was really good to be able to talk about these things with like-minded fellows. And um, thank you for um, having me. And I hope to see you guys, or if not, talk to you guys again real soon. And um, as far as Goblin players, if you're a new Goblin player, keep it simple. Keep going at it. Keep painting. Keep playing. Cause that's the only way you're going to get good with it. And it's the only way you're going to be able to really enjoy it. So. Um, as far as people complaining about the goblins, too bad. Your your tears are nothing but sweet, salty yumminess to me. So, <laughs> hope to see you all soon. Oh, and until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod 
and is licensed under Creative Commons.